This is episode number 410 with Alejandro Velez and Nikhil Aurora of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Go, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Our guests today are changing the face and the future of gardening. Alejandro and Nikhil founded Back to the Roots during their first semester in college at the University of California, Berkeley, growing a $5,000 grant from their college chancellor into a $100 million garden brand in the next few years. These guys have an incredible story to share, like how they built their business, basically starting uh, a farm, and then uh, how they've pivoted that business, how they've gone mass market. We talk about all the challenges of building a direct-to-consumer brand in today's world with everything that's going on post-COVID, pre-COVID. It's an incredible story. I think you guys are going to absolutely love this one. I personally learned so much. All right, guys, now let's jump into the show. So the first question we ask everyone that comes on is, how did you get your job, AK? How did you find yourself doing the work you're doing today? Wow. Well, for us, uh, I can kick this off. It's been a uh, just a, it's been a, an amazing journey, uh, to say the least, for us. And we we started this thing with no background. I mean, where we are today, Nathan, um, building the organic gardening brand for the next generation. But we started this with no background and anything to do with food, gardening, agriculture, or let alone mushrooms, which is actually how we got started. Um, it was our last semester at college, actually. And the two of us, Alejandro and I, were both undergrads at UC Berkeley. And we both were um, what, a few months away from graduation, undergrad business majors. Uh, we thought we knew what we were doing. We both had job offers, actually, at the time. Uh, I was going into consulting. He had a job offer to go into Alondra was going into invest in banking in New York, had an apartment lease signed, um, like, you know, you, end of college, excited about your job opportunities. And this is like during the first financial recession, 2009, Lehman Brothers collapsed. So like having those jobs was a big deal for us. Um, and then we're sitting in this business ethics class and there were about 100 kids in this class. And um, we hear this random fact 
that a professor brings up in a lecture about sustainability that you could possibly grow gourmet mushrooms on recycled coffee grounds. And something about that you know, spurred both of us to actually email our professor after class asking for more information. It's the few months before graduation. And he connected the two of us, like, I don't even know where I read this, but you guys both asked me the same question. You guys should probably connect. And that's literally the first time we both of us met through that introduction. Um, and it changed our lives. At one sentence we were in a class, both of us re- you know, raising our hands, so to speak, and got connected. And um, it, all, it all really started there. The, I, remember, I vividly remember the first day I walked up to Alex's fraternity uh, where he was living. And we just, we spent hours just like brainstorming, kicking around ideas. And I think we both just like, more than the idea, I just, I think, fell in love with starting to work with each other. And um, that was the start of it all for us. Yeah, wow, interesting. So. Like, how, how did you come up with the idea for Back to Roots? Like, like how, how did you kind of get your first customers? Like, what happened there? Talk us through, like, bringing this product to life. Yeah, I mean, uh, as Nikhil mentioned, we were both going into, I think, before anything, just the idea of working with each other, honestly. It's so crazy. And the original fact was that you could maybe grow mushrooms on coffee waste, but then we started saying, well, let's start mushroom farming. Let's start selling the compost. Let's start selling the collecting the waste. And through that, we said, you know, I think it is mushroom farming. So we picked up some coffee grounds from Starbucks and Cafe Strata, which is our local coffee shop at UC Berkeley, grew some mushrooms, walked it to our local Whole Foods store. And we said, hey, we think we figured out how to grow mushrooms on coffee waste. Uh, would you want to buy some? And uh we didn't sell them right there and then, but we got the contact of the regional buyer. And then he calls us up a couple of weeks later and he, uh, Nathan, on the spot says, if you guys figure out how to grow mushrooms on coffee, he's like, I will blow you up in Whole Foods. I'll take that nationwide. He's like, that's the coolest shit I've ever heard in produce. Taking coffee waste, grow mushrooms. Like, boys, what were you farming before this? You know, so that kind of, we're like, well, no, we're going into investment banking. But uh, he's like, ah, whatever. If you figure this out, I'm going to blow you up at Whole Foods. And that was what, started uh the business yeah that that confidence a little bit and then we fast forward two weeks before graduation we got a five thousand dollar grant from our chancellor and uh that's when the two of us said you know what uh we got some hope and demand from whole foods we got five thousand dollars in our pockets uh and it felt like we'd won the lottery at the time and i remember we both decided you know what you're in i'm in and uh, we called the companies we were going to go work for and said you know what forget banking full-time urban mushroom farming it is. And we started an urban farm in, in Oakland. And uh, we spent our next few years just farming. We were literally scaling that up. And we were servicing at one point, all of the Northern California Whole Foods, restaurants, farmers markets, selling them fresh oyster mushrooms, um, collecting millions of pounds of coffee grounds from local cafes like Pete's and Starbucks and other ones. Getting paid, getting paid to be waste collectors because we yeah. were replacing waste management. It was like the waste of, you know, in this case, coffee grounds are going to landfill the waste. And then we grew mushrooms and then our own waste to spend substrate we were selling as a premium soil amendment. So the waste of waste of waste all had value in it. And it led Back us to Whole Foods. Yeah. Yeah. Let us bootstrap our company for our first few years as we grew up. So we hit, we hit our first million in revenue from three revenue sources off of waste. Uh, so selling the fresh mushrooms, collecting the, the actual coffee waste that the mushrooms were being grown upon and are growing on. And then third was the spent mushroom substrate. So what was left over after all the mushroom roots took over that coffee waste, because it was left with a lot of great nutrients. 
So we had three revenue streams from 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 well, coffee waste. Yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. wild. So I'd love to go a bit deeper here. So you got the five thousand dollar grant, and you started so this farm. Like, like what what did you do with the five thousand? What like what did you spend that on? Bought a eight hundred dollar van. Yeah, and uh, gave us the. Uh, the confidence to lease a month to month, small little, uh, it was more of an office space, but we turned it into an urban farm. So those are the two big things that come to mind. Nick, I don't know if I missed any. Oh, we stretched that to every penny. Yeah. Of the racks, we bought racks from the Home Depot. Yeah. So you, you leased I, like, you leased an office that obviously had um, somewhat of a backyard. No, this is all, this is the crazy part. I mean, this should, should have. We should have done. We should have done that. Um, instead, we found a ten by ten little room in an office building, stripped the ceiling on the second off. floor. Oh, it was. I mean, we were just. It was the cheapest rent we could find. We were paying in. Uh, we were just. We and the nice thing about growing mushrooms, it's all indoors and vertical, so it's racks, but you still have high humidity and a lot of stuff moving through. And uh, a few weeks later, after lugging up, you know, thousands of pounds of coffee grounds, this office building, and people being like, "What are you guys doing in here? Trying to start a farm in like a." A record studio next door and an insurance company next door and it was, it was a wild uh but we just it was the only place we could find that was affordable enough to, for us to continue testing and experimenting and you know eventually i think you fast forward what probably a year from then we had you know we were it took us about six months to scale up our to, to figure out how to take our test buckets in college and turn it into something we could start consistently selling to whole foods and so we were just um yeah <laughs> anyone who would give us a space uh we took it at that moment yeah wow and can you tell us kind of about i guess the early product development around that like um and even like how are you surviving because you quit your jobs like did you guys have part-time jobs or casual jobs to kind of get by well you know in terms of product development it's been um a journey um and i guess in terms of expenses we were I mean, Alex was fifth yearing it, so to speak, at, at his fraternity, staying on in an extra room there. I was on my brother's futon for I think nine months or ten months. So just, I mean, five dollar foot long, cutting out in half, like literally. Um, it was we were just all day, every day, just in this little warehouse, the two of us planting, and it was that was about it. You know, we both had weren't really paying rent because of those two things for you know fraternity and a brother's sofa, and um, it was it was a wild, and we had some savings from previous college internships and just kind of a, in a wild few months. Um, but, you know, in terms of the product piece of it, so much of our journey, because we started off farming, you fast forward to where we are today with a whole line now of indoor gardening kits and outdoor gardening, you know, solutions like seeds and soils. So much of this journey of transformations has been by talking to our consumers. And we, when we started this company, our first few years, we were literally, I mean, I say thousands of demos because every single weekend, the two of us were at different markets, different stores. We were out there demoing, selling our fresh mushrooms, inviting people back to our farm to take tours, families and kids groups and schools and classrooms. And just literally through like thousands and thousands of conversations like that, you know, A, got to understand like who our consumer was and also the fact that, man, they're more interested in trying to grow these themselves than even necessarily buying our fresh produce. And it's what eventually, you know, led us to go from farming of us selling fresh produce to gardening which is like how do we empower people everywhere to grow their own food um and and but so much of that product development was just early on through just literally thousands of customers and i think to this day it's one of the strengths of our brand we just feel like we have such an intimate relationship with you know 
our consumer and we're also designing stuff just for ourselves. Like we were really kind of in so many ways, like designing products for us, people who maybe have never grown before. We didn't have a big backyard. So, um, which I think makes it fun too. And, um, versus trying to like design something for a different demographic. That's not you, you know, so. The original thought was we want to create products that make families want to talk to us at farmer's markets because if people don't talk to us, it gets really boring and really hard because you're on your feet for eight, 10 hours straight. Uh, <laughs> that's like that DNA has been bottled into the entire company DNA now having hundreds of SKUs and over 12,000 stores. But like that doesn't go away. Like this obsession to have products that wow kids and families because that was what made a Sunday go by fast. Because if not, you're just sitting there. I mean, I don't know if anybody's, you know, the entrepreneurs listening to you, but like if they've ever hustled at a demo or a farmer's market, like we say that is the best lesson in business entrepreneurship if you're going to be in the retail CPG space. Like hand selling product, you can learn so much from that. And I think most importantly, at least for us, it's like product development and, and talking to our consumer. Mm, so that's how you found out and, and kind of knew that you need to pivot onto the kids. Yeah, the, the, the consumer that bought our fresh mushrooms would be in and out and they wouldn't, they would engage, they would buy in a commodity versus the family that stuck out and hung out with us for an hour and asked all these questions around curiosity. And we're like, oh, come back to our farm and we'll give you a tour. So we'd have, you know, a bunch of families with kids on the weekend. You know, we became almost tour guides more than we were, you know, doing demos at one point. And people would, you know, and they'd, they'd say, I want to grow them myself. And that was a really fun turning moment for us, uh, which then allowed us to have the confidence to take it back to our retailer, Whole Foods. And that was a whole different, that's a whole story in and of itself when we thought we were pitching an iPhone, even though it was a bag of phones. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear. Yeah. Can, can you, can we, delve, can we delve into that story? <laughs> Nickel, you got to tell, you got to tell the iPhones. The iPhones. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so this is like a couple years ago now and we're selling fresh mushrooms, right? To Whole Foods, scaling up with them. Great partner. Uh, and we, in the background, are trying to work on these kits to get people growing their own food. And our first kit um, was this basketball sized clear bag of fungus that we slapped a label on it that, that we printed out of FedEx. We thought this thing looked beautiful. So we're in this meeting with, with, our, with Randy DeCombe, he's a NorCal produce buyer at the time. And we're talking all about fresh mushrooms, you know, call it an hour meeting, probably 50 minutes of that was just planning and production planning for the fresh mushrooms. And we're like, the end of like, hey, Randy, one more thing, by the way. And we pull out this bag, this early first kit prototype that we thought was like the next iPhone. We were so darn proud about this thing. And I'll never forget because Randy looks at it and he literally almost falls out of his chair. He's like, that's the most disgusting, hideous thing I've ever seen. No one's putting a bag of fungus on their windowsill, you know? And, uh, and I, very tough love, but came from a place of a lot of love. And it, it was a feedback we needed to hear. And it, to this day, it's, it's it, that moment, that single moment we still both remember is like one of the defining moments and what has now become one of the core parts of DNA, just like the, the, the obsession around design and, and fitting into homes and, and that. And, and I think um, something that can eventually now go into, you know, that's been sold in from a Nordstrom to a Target to a Walmart, you know, and, and, and but has that kind of breath, but it started off with that kind of feedback of how do you take this mission about people growing it's got it's got to be easy and accessible but man i'll never forget that because it was a <laughs> no yeah it was talking about an eye-opening uh conversation you thought was going a different direction 
Um, That's wild. So how did you come up with the design? How many iterations did you guys go through? It's been it's been a lot on, on the branding and design. We've continually, I mean, it's something to this day we're always trying to learn and get better at and, you know, learn from our consumers. But the, the early vision and thought a lot of, you know, we look at today and um, it was how do you make this something into form factors that people are familiar with and even something as, which seems as simple as putting a handle on our mushroom kit, which, you know, now is actually, it's, you see a lot more in different kind of gardening kits, but that concept to us, like it, it helps make things feel personal, right? And, and feel a little bit like more. And um, and we did, for instance, designed our first ones where like you, the whole bag is exposed and a little bit less of it. And now you go, you fast forward to what is today and able to sell in stores across the country is it's just a little window you pop up. It's the rest of it is just kind of beautiful box, but you just open up a little window Give you a little sense of like what's going on inside but you can still you know something you can keep on your on your counter so it's, it's gone through a lot of iterations and um i think it's something we we, that's, we don't want to stop we're always kind of trying to learn and get better too and um you know good feedback yeah so i'd love to continue on from the journey so you guys bootstrapped the business um you recently raised your series d uh so you raised i think 15 million um so at what point in time, did you start in 2009, what point in time did you guys go, we need to get outside capital to, to, to accelerate the growth of the business? I think a lot, a lot of people, um, our darkest nightmares of the first five years, uh, and uh, it was nightmares and at the same time, it was like the most formative, beautiful years and probably formative, not just to Back to Roots, but our partnership, our friendship, our are are just we went through a lot and a lot meant we were farmers we were farmers we're farmers full-time and we were demoers brand ambassadors full-time like it was uh, something we did for five years straight selling fresh mushrooms and then mushroom kits one product stores across the country and um that was from what Nick Hill up until like 2015 or so in which um, we, you know, we felt this opportunity or we saw this opportunity. And I think it was continuing down this path of like, how do we connect people to food? It was like back to that experience of seeing families get wowed by the experience of gardening and seeing stuff grow and connecting to food. So we said, how do we, you know, create a whole extend our product line, create products and sell them into retailers that uh, are focused on that. And within that, we said, this is not a gardening company. This isn't a food company. This is both like they're one and the same, you know, growing food is just one level below the actual food itself or like behind it. And um, I think that was, to us was like something that was really exciting and 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 that was what we raised our series a on and uh we created two product lines in which you know it was the grow grow kit line which we continue to grow in you know selling it to the home depot and 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 expanding it to lowe's and different retailers and then we created a whole ready to eat line which was cereals and snacks and then um launched that nationwide of whole foods it was uh you know all around connecting you to the farmer and in about three years we had to make a really tough decision we had two businesses that ultimately connected to the same vision of connecting people to food but there was very different infrastructure needed to keep scaling them and that was where we had uh 
we partnered up with Nature's Path. We gave that this the ready to eat business, the cereals and snack business off to Nature's Path. And in our series B, doubled down on just the ready to grow line. And that's been the path we've been on for the last four years. Yeah, interesting. So um, I'm sure COVID was great for you guys and had an adverse effect with everyone at home. Um, I'm sure though as well, you guys have a, an increased level of competition. How have you guys navigated that? Yeah, COVID's been interesting, Nathan. I think it, it, um, it, it's been a really, it's actually been a long-term shift for the category. And you know, I think a lot, of, a lot of people saw blips online during March and April, 2020. But I think with, with, with COVID, what it really did was it accelerated a new generation into the garden by probably five to seven years, call it. It basically folks, our generation would have got into the garden space within call it five to 10 years. It accelerated that to literally six months. Um, and because I think people were stuck at home and realized like, wow, this is a way for me to, and, and it went beyond that too, which was exciting. And also being indoors and having that, there was, I think it was 18 million new gardeners, Alex, that entered the category. Yeah. 13 million of those were, you know, millennials and Gen Z. Um, so it's just huge influx of new gardeners. And I think what was so exciting about that too, was that the whole gardening and, and what gardening has been historically defined by shifted too, because of that, like gardening historically has been about growing green grass and pretty flowers. And all of a sudden this new generation came in and says, Hey, I want to grow food. Um, I want to grow edibles. And I, and by the way, I may not have a big backyard, have I grow indoors. And because I'm growing indoors, I don't want to be using all these crazy chemicals. I want to grow things organically and, and safer. And it just has totally shifted the entire um, landscape of gardening. And so in that way, you know, what we've been working on for, you know, many, many years before that was we want to build this gardening brand for, for the next gen, focus on sustainability and, and organic and, and growing food, not just flowers. And um, so it's, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's been, ex and I say with a lot of gratitude because a lot of obviously industries have, and we've subsects of ours and, you know, shipping and logistics and inventory have been really challenging because of COVID, but overall it's brought in accelerated, you know, millions of new millennials and Gen Z, put your name on whatever you want to call that demographic into gardening. Um, and the last thing I'll say too, it's also brought a different mindset to it. I think it's not just, it's also, there's people are getting into it too, because of it's more about an emotional connection now, not just about this, like, Oh, I want to like show off my green grass, but like just, it's, it's become something I think for our generation on like mindfulness, like a way to disconnect right from, from, from all the technology and just kind of, and in, in many ways, so many people are finding gardening and growing plants at home as just a way to kind of bring some Zen and peacefulness into your space or a way to connect with your families or teach your kids about sustainability. And so it, it's just, it's, it's really exciting. Like how the whole category is shifting. Um, you know. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode and learning a ton. As you know, in this series, we interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it. However, if you're thinking of starting your own business and you want to hear from some incredible stories from everyday people like you or I, who are actually in the trenches, only been building their business for maybe one year or two years, like that are building right now and they're really in the early stages, but they're getting success. You should come and check out our new podcast from Zero to Founder, hosted by our community manager, Molly Flynn. These are in the trenches stories from our very own successful students that have gone through some of our programs. People just like you who are deep within the process of building their very own successful business. 
These are the founders of tomorrow. You can find the From Zero to Founder podcast on all platforms. And remember, it's founder without the E. All right, now let's jump in the show. It's an awesome product and you guys, like there's a reason you guys are, are growing so fast. So I, I just um, I just wanted to kind of tap in more into that. Like why, why, like you've got a great product, um, you, you know your customers really, really well, uh, but you know, coming back to it, like this is a hot space now. You know what I mean? Like, you, like I, I go, like this, this is a, this is a very, very trending product. So how are you navigating kind of new, new players into this space? How are you kind of staying on top of the game? I think um, we made a really important decision that I think it was mostly, I think luck, um, and that was to when most of the our friends that were maybe starting companies out of college were betting on straight D2C. We, I think just there was something about, and maybe it's not just luck, but also like we, we saw something really beautiful and fascinating in retail. Like we fell in love, like this idea that it's like mind blowing that raw materials can come from all the world. They can get to a manufacturing facility in, in, you know, some state in the United States. And then that gets picked up, gets to a distribution center from there. It gets to, this, you know, a distributor, the distributor then gets it to a final store. And then somebody in the, you know, in a store has to go back to the back of the store, pull it in the front, take out a case pack of six units, put it on the shelf, perfectly placed next to thousands of other SKUs. Yet as a consumer, you walk in and you're expecting it to look normal and you don't ever think about that. Like how much design and like industrial design, chemical engineering goes into everyone's products from a packaging standpoint that it can withstand all the trucks and all this other stuff. Like there was like something like just really awesome that when, you know, I'd go out to the East coast when we were launching and I'd see our product there and it looked sort of good, you know, after it was manufactured here in California, when we saw that firsthand, we were like, this is something special. And we just kept building relationships from the ground up in stores. We demo and continue realizing that brick and mortar was something important. And as we talked to consumers, a lot of, people our age thought brick and mortar was dead. And I think, um, so brick and mortar was dead was very much a, a like very, a lot of folks saying, and, and listen, there was a lot of great, very quick, like zero to hundred overnight success stories that were just D2C. We have taken this approach of just building it one store at a time. And I think that was, whether it was luck, it was this like, you know, obsession with retail and seeing, you know, how much work goes into it and how beautiful it is to see a finished product in a store. But I think ultimately when it's Saturday, our gardener, it's Saturday, it's nice outside. You want to go to a store and get your product right there and there in the whole project. It's so much of it. I think we, we, on one hand, Nathan, I think are, are excited about new entrants because I think we haven't even scratched the surface of what this category can be. There's only in general, I think it's something like, you know, 30 million households that have gardened, which is some, you know, about 25 to 30% of America. So one, how do you grow that pie? Because we think every, we think like every single home and every classroom should be growing and gardening. Like gardening should be part of every single school curriculum. Um, and it should be every, in every single home in some format. And so for us, we feel like, you know, the more folks that can raise that awareness, that's awesome. And we want to be the premium you know, best in class, best for your plants and best for the planet brand. And um, we're, we're proud and confident of our products. And I think what Alex was talking about too is we've also, you know, 
spent you know years investing in relationships um, and an expertise in how to you know service brick and mortar, which is still a huge part of um, you know succeeding in the lawn and garden space. And um, so, yeah, I think brick and I think brick and mortar is so important in our category still, and I think the fact that we've now created these. I think really strategic long-term thinking relationships with our partners. And we truly call the Home Depot a partner, Walmart a partner, Target a partner uh, in building and, and speaking to the next gen gardener. Uh, I think that's really unique. Um, a lot of categories, a lot of brands have now over the last even six months since all the changes that come to us, uh, brands that we've looked in the marketplace that are very hot and doing well, they're like, can you acquire us? Uh, because things have turned sour yeah it's interesting you say that so um effectively yeah unfair advantage is you guys were you know one of the first in the space but then also at the same time you've got this great moat with retail because it's interesting like i speak to friends that you know have big d2c brands and you know all sorts of challenges with uh supply supplying shipping logistics all that but then also you've got these other changes where facebook isn't as strong anymore and and what, what what's really helping them bolster still is retail so um that's awesome um gonna switch gears when i talked about the raising capital piece a bit more and then we'll move to uh kind of hearing your guys you know co-founder relationship we don't talk about that much um but when it comes to kind of when you first went out there raised your series a were there any challenges on the on the pivot and the vision? And, and was that was the was was it clear for investors? Was it a no brainer or what? Would, yeah, talk us through that. Yeah, we've we've got our fair share of scars uh, in Back to the Roots. Uh, I will say this: we had uh, the same investors that invested in Series A have invested all the way through Series D. Uh, our board members are the same, except we've now actually, I think we'll announce, can I announce this officially yeah, on this? Uh, Aisha Curry is actually going to be joining our board of directors as well. Uh, we'll be announcing that. I guess we'll announce it for the first time with you, Nathan, uh, which is really exciting. Um, and, uh, but by and large, we have the same investor base from start to finish to, to where we are today, the Series D. And we've had, uh, to make a lot of, I think, a lot of tough decisions on the business. And um, I think because the why hasn't changed at Back to the Roots, we always rallied. And not only, I think probably most importantly, Nick Hill and I always rallied around the fact that we've got something here that we think is really novel and needs to exist. And we, I think, are fortunate that our board and investors actually believed us and, and, and kept in betting with their dollars and saying, okay, we'll give it another, another shot. And now I think we're at this now the complete opposite side where we're, you know, hundred million dollar POS brand and uh, have had doubling the business. Not, I mean, this is now four years in a row since we've doubled the business. Uh, we'll double the business again over the next 12 months. Like it's an exciting time for the business. And, um, but yeah, there's been really, really tough times. Yeah. I think that point that Alex just said about not, you can pivot what you sell and maybe even how you build your products. But I think by not changing your why and staying true to that North Star, staying true to that why, that 
gives you the permission to be able to adapt and, and pivot on other things. But I think if any founder or anyone listening is like, if you start shifting your why, now you lose your reason to exist. And I think that, that that's where it's really hard to kind of keep on doing that with either partners or investors. But I think um, to us, it's one of the lessons we've learned, but this, I think it was gotten us here and, and, and the compounding, you know, so much of this value is like, is, is things compounding with, you know, obviously people know about compounding money, but compounding relationships, like you asked my co-founders, like Alex, like what we have now, 10 years later, like you could, honestly, you could put a blindfold on us, tell me to pick a category out of my hat, any industry. And if it's the two of us doing it together, I feel so confident that we would win in that category because of the compounding relationship that we have and ability to like just collaborate and, 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 or compounding partnerships with retailers. But all that I think just comes from staying true to your North star. And, and um, so, yeah, I just wanted to kind of share that as well. Cause I think it's you, whether again, by how we got here, you, I look back now and what's helped us get here, I think it's because that never changed. Um, and, and people gave us the leeway to then kind of figure out, well, how do you make that happen? How do you bring that to life through your products? But um, that, that never changed for us. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, your guys' relationship. You, uh, you know, met in college, uh, professor introduced you to, off the back of this idea, right, effectively. And, and you know, eventually you both got to that why. Um, you know, with Back to the Roots, how, how do you navigate kind of that, your, your co-CEO, co joint CEO relationship, conflicting opinions, ideas, um, how do you guys balance that and, and, and navigate? Yeah, Nathan, to me, it's, it's, uh, it's now, honestly, <laughs> I feel like it's one of our, the secret sauce almost for, for back to it. I say that as in like, it's such a special part of, I think what started, has the brand started and still today. And, and we, have a, we have a lot of people question it over the years. And, and I think the more we've grown, I think the more, I think people closest to us have realized this is um, one of the things that, that helps us win. And, and I think it's, be, but it, it, to me, it boils down to like two things of making a co-founder or co-CEO relationship work. I think one, um, there's got to be such a deep level of alignment on your values and your intent. And I say, and like, you know, intent both personally and with the business, like why are we doing this and where are we trying to take it? Um, deep level of alignment there. And then the second thing I think is respect. And like Alex, he's the smartest person I know by far, hands down, the best at this time. Like, so to me, I'm like, when we disagree, when you have such a deep level of alignment and a deep level of alignment on intent and a deep level of alignment on respect or that respect, all of a sudden now we can disagree all day and debate things all day. But I know that, hey, we both want the exact same thing long-term. We both care about doing it the same way with the same values. And like, what am I not, it changes from like trying to debate each other versus like, hey, what am I, I asked myself, what am I missing? And one of our values ever back to the roots is like, speak like you're right, listen like you're wrong. And just having, being able to start doing that just creates such an amazing place where you can be vulnerable and debate ideas really hard because you never are debating the intent. You never like, and like, um, and I don't know, just to me, it, it, it's, it's so special. If someone's like looking and, and looking to start something, I can't, the number one thing I say, go find someone who you can find that way to do it with because it is, it will be your superpower. Alejandro, is there anything you want to build off on that? I, yeah. I mean, I uh, always, it's really humbling to have him talk about the partnership like that because it's, this is the partnership I cherish the most. I mean, I, um, you know, I, I lost my brother six and a half years ago and it's the, the my own brother would say, with Nick Hill is like something that 
never witnessed. And like even family, I've gone to India a few times now and spent time with, uh, you know, Nani G and Nana G and all his family. And I've seen his cousins get married, his brother obviously get married and uh, all of them uh, see such a special, it's such a special bond that we have. Uh, but day to day, people are fearful you know, I think a good way, at least our team to be in conversations with us because they're intense. They're to the point there's, they're tough and they, they're very quick because we know each other extremely well. And we are, it's a game of ping pong of trying to get to the truth. And I think that's where maybe Nick, Hill, that's the other part that I'd add, like we're trying to get to the truth. And I think our egos can maybe get involved when we're talking to anybody except us two. Like our ego is always in check because of the two foundations that Nikhil's talking about. So we're just very quick, just trying to get to the truth. Like let's not waste, we're just getting the truth. And I think that, and we don't always get to the truth. We obviously make a ton, we've made a lot of mistakes. And, you know, we will continue to make mistakes. Um, but it's also allowed us to now start bringing really ex like experts in the room that we we're so lucky to even like get to interact with on a daily basis that are now advising us on a daily basis because i think they they feed off the energy that we we have together yeah awesome um i, I can really feel it this this was great awesome thank you um love to talk about the initiative uh that you guys have around grow one give one can you tell us about that yeah happy to share it so it's, it's uh and one of the initiatives we're most proud about most excited about every day is that it's been for a lot of years now it's been one of our core we are core way to raise awareness and reach people so for every photo that someone posts on social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, Twitter, of their garden that they've grown with us and they tag, hashtag grow one, give one and tag us, we'll actually then donate uh, a gardening kit and the STEM curriculum to a classroom of their choice. And what's I think so fun and exciting about it is that she came out of a brainstorm. Um, Blake Mikowski, founder of Tom Shoes, one of our angel investors, uh, and obviously I think pioneered this kind of give back model, one for one model. and you know, an early brainstorm with him and his team. It's like, well, where, where else, how, how else do we, where else do we go with this? And I think what came out of that was how do we connect it back to someone's own community and make it personal. And I think what, what's so powerful about it now is, is the connection to your own teacher. So it's like, Hey, Mrs. Smith, I just grew this. I think you'll love doing this with your kids. And it starts not just like getting more people gardening, but it starts building community. And then what well, we love that part of it, because you're sharing it with someone else, you're sharing your passion. So I mean, last year, I think we reached almost 70,000 kids through our donations um, across the country. And, to us, like if you zoom out, we just think that gardening, it needs to be part of every school curriculum. And that's one thing we want to champion and continue to push for. Like imagine how much can come out, how much empowerment can come out of it when you can teach kids about what real food is. And, um, and I think the urgency of now of gardening, like we were talking about earlier, isn't about just like, oh, it's about growing grass or flowers. It's like, we think one of the most urgent things we all have to do is figure out how to solve this climate crisis. And we think the best way to do that is that, you know, everyone's gonna take their own path to figure that out but we just need to inspire a new generation to be curious about the environment again and care about the environment, be connected to the land. And we think that gardening is such an awesome way to do that because it's so tangible. And so I don't know, we're, it's an important part of our mission. Um, it drives our whole team of how do we get, you know, get every single kid in America and eventually across the world. But right now, every kid in America to grow something and experience that. Um, so, yeah. Wow, that's an incredible vision. Um... Yeah, that, that's really cool. Thank you for sharing. So look, conscious of everyone's time, we have to work towards wrapping up. Got a few more questions. 
One, just what's next for the brand, and then we'll move to the hot seat round, just some quick rapid fires. We feel like we're just on our warm up lap. Uh, honestly, Nathan, we this is a really exciting time. Uh, we've got uh, an N10 solution for a gardener. So what that means is you can start a garden with us and have everything you need to get started all through the Back to Roots brand. Uh, and that has actually never been done in a category. Uh, and it's all grounded on 100% organic. So we're, you know, that is like the start to a community building exercise for us. I think that's like why we call this a warm up lab. Like we have all the tools, all the products to get all the new gardeners into the garden. And now it's like, how do we take that to the next level and build this incredible community? Uh, together so this is even being on this podcast with you and having this opportunity to chat and share you know get the word about what we're doing is so so cool because if people think oh, i've wanted a garden like we want them to think of back to the roots like oh i want to start a garden back to the roots that should be synonymous in their mind and it's not yet we've got a long way to go yeah look i'm sure like uh you guys got such an incredible story partnership i'm sure that you guys will get there um so Moving to the rapid fire question round. Um, I've got three questions for you. It's up to you guys. Uh, we'll go, we'll, we'll take it from each. We'll try and keep it like short and punchy. Um, uh, and then we'll wrap up because I'm conscious of time. Uh, so first question I have is if you could go, sorry. First question I have is if you could go back in time to the first day that you guys were in business What's the one piece of advice you would give yourselves? We'll start with Nikhil. Protect this relationship. It's the people, nothing else before product or profit, everything else you think about in business will come. It's the people you do things with that matter and starts off with the, the two of us and then fast forwarding to all the partners around us now that help us unlock value. So I would just say obsess over that more than anything else. Chug, chug two beers after your first sale is what I'd I would tell myself. We we chugged one at 5 a.m. a warm beer. So I sure. think I would say it was a 3.14 pounds. We sold to the produce produce department at five in the morning when all sales happened. So I we chugged one, we should have chugged two. <laughs> awesome. I agree. Uh if you could have dinner with any entrepreneur, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Right now, Nick, we are not spending enough time and I'm right now I'm in I'm in Chicago and Nick Hill's in California and we've been this is the longest we've been away for we, we used to wake up every morning I'd pick him up at 6 45 drop him off at his home at, at apartment at 8 p.m every day for 10 years straight post-COVID I ended up being a nomad and we've not spent any time together so Nick Hill hands down right now I'll add on to that um yeah, the other one would be, would be Dan, your brother Dan, Alex mentioned. Um, Alex's older brother passed. He was an entrepreneur as well and started his own casting studio. And uh, I would that would be a blessing. Yeah, wow. Um, okay, last question uh, for both of you. What's something you've learned today? I have learned that uh, puppies are joy. I traveled with my puppy for the first time. She's actually right here. My oh, my Rottweiler puppy, I just woke her up. Oh, yeah. And uh, she just, as I ran to be able to chat with you, Nathan, she 
decides to stop and poop in the middle of like a hundred people as I'm rushing to the American lounge. And I uh, had one, one, one woman grabs Daniela's her name after my brother grabs her. Another woman comes and grabs me, you know, hands me a towel to clean up, uh, to pick it up. And then the other one grabs me the, uh, a plastic bag to, and then some other guy comes and starts wiping it. I'm like, man, puppies are joy. I will say this, man. Nathan, yeah, connecting it back to your to this conversation, just uh, it's important to take time to reflect. It's fun. I just I appreciate like this has been super fun, and it, it's it's uh, I think sometimes an entrepreneur and founder, you're just running so fast to the next thing, the next challenge. It feels like a game of whack a mole sometimes. You're just trying to you know like put out the next fire and. Um, it's 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 good to look back sometimes and just reflect and just kind of see how far you've come. And I think this conversation for us is taking a moment to be able to reflect on the journey. is It's empowering. It's energizing because it, it kind of makes you realize like as, as crazy and as steep as the hill ahead may feel, um, we've climbed a pretty damn tall mountain already to get here. So it's it's nice to take a time to reflect sometimes. So I appreciate this space and it's just fun to be able to. And when you ask these questions, sometimes putting it like, what happened day one? It's just like all your, you know, all those emotions and everything comes back and just, it, it's, it's fun to do that sometimes and gives you perspective to what we're facing today. It's like, Hey, at least we got challenges today, but um, we got a business at least we got money in the bank. So we'll take that all day. Nate, I wanted, yeah, I mean, I'm curious. What about you, man? I'm super curious. This is, it's fun to see you uh, after hearing some of the different podcasts, uh, your voice and it's fun to be able to interact with you. Like, what have you learned? And, uh, maybe not just from this, but like from doing the show. I'll, I'll answer your question. I'll, I'll stick to my question that I asked you. What have I learned today? Honestly, what can be created when you have such strong relationships of extreme trust and respect um, in terms of a business perspective? So for me, um, I've just re- rebuilt my whole senior leadership team. And from hearing what you guys said, I'm like, yep. I need to really focus on dialing up that trust and respect across the team and my relationship with each senior leader. Um, uh, yeah, that, that, that really hit home. Just hearing the respect that you guys have for each other, the trust, um, I think that's really special. You know, I'll just say one film that I think what we've learned to doing it ourselves is how important it is for our partnerships. And I think to us, what's unlocked some of our, so much of our growth, like, we work with a mushroom farm now that we're our biggest unlocking that turned this brand. We, we were farming for years and we, we were introduced to this other mushroom farm that we had to put all our ego in our pockets because someone told us like, Hey, I think they can do what you're doing way better than you guys can. And at that moment, so that's who we were. We were like these farmers and, and we, and the moment we met them, we realized, wow, these guys are way better at, at doing this than we are. And we fast forward, what, eight years, they're still one of our closest partners. And um, I think it's, it's fun also. I think we, we're trying to get better at this too and building partners externally as well, not just internally with ourselves and their team, but we think we're always trying to get better in externally. Like, Hey, can we find partners where we can align with that kind of like clear North star and, and respect. And I think that's the ones where we've done that in it's, it's been huge accelerants to the business. So it's something we're trying to also always figure out how does, how do we apply what we've learned here together, two of us to all the different touch points in our, in our lives and business. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, look, I'm conscious of your time, guys. Um, Alejandro, it seems like you got a flight to catch. <laughs> we'll let you go. But thank you so much. Congratulations on all your success thus far. This is an awesome conversation. I had a ton of fun. So, Nathan, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us on.
Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.